Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Took a, took a little time off uh, over the past week, um, which then translated into having to work during that time off, which is probably another discussion for another time. Um, but in general, had a good time, uh, spent some time with family and friends. So good time overall. How about you? Uh, pretty much neck deep in React, React Native and Firebase. Um, constantly wanting to call you up and ask you, why are we doing that this way? I could have been done with a <laughs> relational database about two weeks ago. Um, I made uh, really the good pro- learning. I know. I, I know. Well, some of it's learning and some of it's where just pure experience of, I already know how to do this and relational databases aren't bad. Um, I know why I'm using Firebase for this, these particular apps and it has to do with scaling and that kind of thing. But definitely, uh, it's an interesting kind of experience where you're using a new tool. You understand how to use it, but it feels like it's just not efficient. Um, there's still there's also a debate, and it's kind of funny because I see more Twitter backlash about single page apps and front end like React frameworks and Vue frameworks. I'm seeing more and more of the server, the crowd that grew up with. Rails and Express backends and Django backends are kind of saying like, why are we, what, what is the benefit out of these front end frameworks? And this is a discussion for another time and it's probably still a good CTO think discussion, but it's interesting that I'm starting to see backlash and I feel it might be because people are now in that maintenance phase of all these front-end frameworks and they're not liking the maintenance part. So, For sure. So I don't know. We'll have to... It, we're, I'm making progress. I've learned a ton. I could definitely work for anybody that needs uh, Firebase or React type of work now. I have no qualms with that. But I don't know that I want it as much as... Who wants a good old-fashioned Rails app? Um, kind of thing. <laughs> well, so, gonna, um, that's what I was going to say. You, you're you're technically capable, but do you really want to? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the topic for this week um, is definitely something in my is a subject that I've gra- had to grapple with over the course of my career, and I guess bottom line is what do you do when people don't listen to you? And (laughs) and it's more about the people above you. They've hired you for expertise for technical risk management for skills that they don't have yet. When it comes down to important decisions, sometimes the people that have hired you or the people that you answer to, don't listen to your advice and maybe bad things happen. And I want to talk about, there's a psychological effect it has on you, the consultant, the expert, the yourself as an executive. And then how do you handle it? How do you, what do you do when things go wrong and you want to say, I told you so kind of thing. So that's the topic that I would like to tackle today. Um, I'm not sure the best place to start. I guess I'll first ask you, how often do you find yourself in that position? Often enough to where it's frustrating. Um, And I think that's probably true of anybody. Um, And and then it comes down, in, in my mind, when those things happen, it comes down to what is my place in that hierarchy, what am I being asked to do? Um, And that helps guide um, my next step. So uh, I'll give an example. Um, 
So in my, in my role with, uh, with construction specialties, um, I, I, I am the COO and obvious, not obviously, but I'm also the, um, the one in charge of any technology. Um, and then, then it's not so much a case of proposing a technology and people going, Oh, what about this other technology? It's more a case of just getting people on board. Um, yeah. just a change of, of behavior. Um, and in, in those cases, it's a question of managing up or managing down. Um, if you're managing down, then, then you have a little authority to work with. Not that you want to wield it like a dictator, um, but you have a little authority behind what you're, what you're asking. Um, when you're managing up, you have to use influence. You have to, you have to start uh, figuring out ways that you can say, Hey, this is how it benefits the business that, and, and, depending on who you're having that discussion with even go so far as to figure out what the benefit is to them and, and make it very personal. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, there's a psychological part that I've had to grow up about going sure. back, going back to let's say leaving college and taking my first couple of jobs where I I just got emotionally angry when a boss or manager or whomever hired me would ask me for advice or give me a set of goals that were really difficult and said, I want you to take care of this and get it done. And then the process that I was employing to get it done, they would come in and basically pull the carpet out from under me. And they would do it a number of ways. Not like it wasn't like they were saying, I want you to fail now. It would be some kind of choice they would make. Could be budgetary restriction, could be choice of a vendor, could be choice of a technology. And just for no reason that I could see other than gut feel that was <laughs> came from no basis. They would just say, you can't, you're not going to be able to do it that way. And then all of a sudden, the what I had figured out, what I thought in my mind had I had figured out as being the solution, <clears throat> suddenly I wasn't an option because of, in my mind, someone else's lack of expertise getting in the middle. And I would get angry. I would get passive aggressive. Right. Um, if you don't want me to, if you don't want me to succeed, then I just won't do it. We'll see what happens. You know, that kind of thing. And right. I definitely had to change. <laughs> I went the other way over the years to a completely, all right, whatever you want, you're in charge. Chips will fall where they may. <laughs> and then, then, but the, the problem that I found is that they forget that they overruled you, that you came with right. a possible um, solution in a certain way. And they, so now you look like you didn't know what you're doing in the first place. <laughs> so, but let me, I do want to make clear that it doesn't, it's not that when I have not, when someone has made a, a choice that circumvents my advice or, decision that I was always right. That's never, that's not been the case. So I have to eat crow personally inside and go, Oh, there was a reason for that decision. There was a, <laughs> there was reasoning um, along that line that I wasn't aware of. And I had to basically, I have to, I've had to mature on that. So let's talk about the psychological side of it first, before we get sure. into um, how to manage it. Um, like how angry did you get when people, when you found that scenario at IBM, I feel like there's a, there's a, almost a governance of a company that size that completely overrules everybody all the time. So maybe you get used to it, but I don't know. I, 
Like what was the psychological effect it had on you when people didn't listen, listen to your expertise? Okay. So yeah, I've had, uh, you're right. I've had it happen multiple places at IBM. It <laughs> very much was a case of resignation. Um, so I had a couple of different roles at IBM in some of the roles. I just reported up a chain and, and, and in, in those cases I'd present an idea if, if, if it didn't fly, um, I would sometimes try to represent it in a different way to try and gain acceptance. Um, but if I felt that the resistance was a for, um, political reasons or B for different business visions and what I had, um, I just let it go. Um, and, and it was more of a, it it wasn't a, okay, let's watch it. Well, I won't, uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. Sometimes it was a, okay, let's all watch this screw up. Um, even though I could have stopped it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the times it was like, okay, that's fine. We'll move on. Um, I've also had it happen other places. And these are, these, these were situations where I, I, I really felt strongly that this was a, this was a great way to go. And due to business vision, um, it, we didn't go that way. Um, so, so it was a difference in business vision. Yeah. For me, the way to psychologically deal with being overruled is to, I have taken more time to try and figure out why I got overruled. Um, Because that then gives me a number of outlets. Either I find out that the person overruled me because of risk management, like how they handle risk in their mind and their their threshold for that or ego they simply are choosing whatever is the opposite of what i chose and that has happened like where i saw a pattern of oh this person actually just decides whatever i don't like whatever i don't recommend um and that tells me i don't need to keep working there or or like here's a great example um or it's not a great example, but it's a personal one. I worked for my mom for about six months after college. I quit my first job with Ernst & Young and went back and worked with my mom's small business, which was home remodeling. And I was kind of office manager for about six months. And it was as simple as she had said, can you handle health insurance for us? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So I was digging in and doing all this research and I recommended an insurance plan and my mom was like, no, nah, that doesn't, that's not going to work. It, the, I don't want to do that. And I was kind of defeated. I was like, man, I just spent a week doing all this research for a task she gave me. And then later that afternoon, an insurance salesman walks in the door, proposes the same exact plan to my mom. And she's like, Hey Randy, you should talk to this guy. He's got a great <laughs> system. <And> I was <laughs> like, I was like, that was, that was, the moment of truth of the reason I'm being overruled here is that this woman like raised me. She gave birth to me. She put, she changed my diapers. There is no way in heck I'm ever going to have in her mind, the insight that is necessary for her business. And I just said, and and I let go at that moment. I was like, Oh, this is never going to work. Um, because you know, and, and I, that was a psychological win for me because I didn't get mad about it. I focused on finding something that really fit me better. And I did. I found a better gig and moved to Chicago. But that was a moment. I still think back to that of being overruled by my mom on a business thing by an insurance salesman with the same answer. <clears throat> and later on. But in that in that case, you weren't the expert. No, the insurance company was the expert. So that, that, that one is even, is even somewhat understandable in that sometimes the expert needs to say, and 
This yes. is something I fight is I, I do not like talking to salespeople um, for technology and all that, but yeah. sometimes they are the experts in those fields. So sometimes they are necessary. Oh yeah. Um, and if you're right. One, then then it, it's helpful. But. but so that you, what you just said goes into what I, my point of, finding the reasons why you're getting overruled. And you're right. It was two factors that why I got overruled by the manager in that case. One, your kid. Two, someone acting like an expert or acting like they had better expertise or having better expertise. Obviously, the salesperson had more knowledge about insurance than I did. Um, understanding that was like, okay, I can psychologically deal with being overruled here. Um, and so I handled it better. I did. I mean, I, well, I should say I got mad <laughs> as a son, <laughs> as a son to a mom will do. But I think over time I let go of it of like, yeah, you're, it's just not going to work. Now, <laughs> my dad gave me this look. My dad had tried to have been the office manager with my mom's business for years. And I kind of got a, oh, really? She didn't listen to you kind of look. So so there was a whole, I think my dad had the psychological thing down pat on that front um, at that point. But um, later on, when I was overruled, I would say I still hadn't learned um, completely how to deal with a manager. It, it made me feel like I wasn't being trusted. I guess there's a psychological effect that I, uh, impact it was having on me of, I took, I immediately took to heart, this person doesn't trust me. This person doesn't have confidence in me. I'm not doing my job right. I need to push harder. I had all of these mentally defeating responses to being overruled that now I look at as like wrong way to deal with it, dude. Like you need to... Right quit taking it personal when someone overrules you or doesn't have confidence in your answer, even though you are 90% sure that you're right. And that's what maturity has done for me. But I'm just kind of going through this list of negative responses I would have to these because it, it set a course for bad decisions on my own part or bad attitude that had an effect on a team one. So another scenario was I was brought into a company. I built a team of for technology and there were a lot of incumbent managers with no technical expertise who had all their ideas that they wanted to execute. I was told by the top dog, don't listen to them. I'm the one that makes all the decisions. They're going to give you tons of ideas and opinions, but you just have to ignore it. But, but constantly I had these senior managers coming to me saying, you need to do this my way. Here's my idea. You need to execute this. And I was in the position of telling them like, no, the, you know, the, the head boss, the boss says no. And they would say, no, it's not the boss saying no, it's you saying no. And so I would make a decision and then I would get overruled by that person going to the boss. And then the boss would come and say, no, you need to do it their way. So I was always in this <laughs> position there of getting overruled by politics. And I completely reacted to it in a negative fashion of anger. And one day someone on my team called me out and said, like, I'm so sick and tired of you complaining about those folks up the ladder. Like, it's just, it makes this entire project, un, like, unworkable. Because all you sure. do is complain about it. And I was venting. But I was, and I was being human. But I was also allowing my disgust with the politics to filter down on my team. And... Instead of, you know, I took that feedback from the team member to heart and said, okay, 
I see what you're talking about. I'll change. And I've since talked to that person a couple of years later and they're like, oh no, everything changed after that day. You really did change your attitude. But I, I learned from that, that my psychological response to being overruled is a humongous factor in whether anything goes right after that. Right. It's still on me. And, Go ahead. I, I think that ego, so egos, everybody's got an ego, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and ego plays a huge part in all of this. And as, as we gain more experience and as we mature, ego goes two ways. And as you go up the ladder, ego goes two ways. Um, it, you, you either get better control of it so that it becomes a tool that, that you use for self-confidence or you end up letting it control you where it becomes yeah. a hammer, yeah. um, that you, that you swing everywhere. So, um, as we, as we rise up the ladder of, of responsibility and power, it, it it's hard to go out there present an idea within our field of expertise and be told no. Um, and, and political reasons are the absolute worst reason for anything to happen. Yeah. So it's the hardest to accept. Um, and, and in it, there, there's no good answer for accepting a political reason. It is, just let it go and and either determine if that's where you need to be or if you need to be somewhere else. Um, I do think um, I've I've switched how I handle it when it's non-political. Um, I've switched how I how I handle it and I I hear wh- why I hear that it's being rejected. I try and e- extract why it's being rejected. And I go back and I, I start over and I say, okay, this was rejected. I'm going to take the attitude that it was rejected because I didn't present it properly. So what do I need to change to, to present it properly mm-hmm. and to get it accepted? Um, and then if it fails, then you probably just let it go. Um, but I usually already, always take a, a second crack at it. Um, in presenting it a different way, but, but when it's political, it's, there's no good answer for how to deal with, uh, except to get better at politics. And, and I don't know that, that that's in my DNA too much. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to take the attitude, you're going to win some and lose some. And when you lose, just don't take it, like, don't take it to heart that, Every choice or every recommendation you make is going to be accepted as the best. Um, and they don't, they aren't always. I mean, <laughs> you have to face it. You're going to make mistakes. I mean, I tell this to my students all the time. You're going to make a bunch of mistakes and it's not going to stop. Like, you're, there's not an expert level where all of a sudden you make less mistakes and the mistakes may have less of an impact, but you're still going to make mistakes. And so when someone asks you to make a choice or to lead a team and they overrule you, they may be saving your own, your butt. Like you may have to accept that they have an answer better than yours for some reason too. And so if you take the attitude of you win some, you lose some on those decisions, maybe you just accept the, okay, I'm going to do it the way that this person chose, despite what seems like they don't know what they're making a choice on. Now, uh, that's that's an excellent point, because I, I know there have been things I proposed. Oh, yeah. Was 100 percent convinced I was right. Um, and weeks, months later, was breathing a sigh of relief that we didn't go that direction. Yeah. And I mean, and so there's another part of it that about all these decisions that I've also come to kind of see. And this is more looking up and having empathy for the boss. The bosses of the world, the founders that are running a company with multiple employees that have been running a business for 10 to 15, 20 years, they have been in the position since day one of making best guesses constantly. Because when they started, they were the only person and they have to make choices on things that are not in their expertise, whether it's accounting, law, legal, 
the the salesmanship part, whatever. And so it's in their DNA to constantly be guessing and in ballparking things. And so when it comes to your area, they've hired you now as a technical leader. They are still going to make guesses that impact the other guesses they've made. And that's their, that's what they get. If you want to make all the guesses and make all the choices, found your own company, you know? Um, Exactly. And that's like, that's where you have to say, okay, I'm part of this, the founder or the bosses getting through their work and they're going to make judgment calls. Now it could get to a point where, like I've said before, people have like this person consistently would go with the other choice just because they didn't seem to have confidence in the way I was presenting it. Like you were thinking, um, or they had a psychological thing where they just kept going the other direction, no matter what I recommended. And I said, this person is definitely going the wrong way. I can just see it. I need to just leave this scenario. And that person, it wasn't because they weren't listening to me. It's because they just made bad choices all over. They didn't last very long after I left. But beside the point is, in a normal, in, in a lot of cases, the person above you that's able to overrule you is making guesses themselves. And sometimes it's not going to be the guess that you're like, you're guessing too, because you don't know how the future unfolds. Right. So now moving on from psychological to how to deal with it, like how to manage it. And I would usually like the response that I would normally do is keep in the back of my mind, the choice being made so that I, if things went wrong with the alternative that was chosen, I could say, I told you so. And I can say that the over time building up for the, I told you so is a complete waste of energy and focus like to me your your goal and energy should be towards proving that the person was right like if they forced you to go like don't sabotage the choice that was made no uh, i'll take it a slightly different direction it's not necessarily um, proving that they were right. It's not necessarily working in the direction that they were right. Mm-hmm. It's supporting their decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are scenarios and cases where I've supported the decision outwardly and and put put most of my energy there, but had the alternative ready and kept developing the alternative um, as a just in case, not yeah. as. Uh, depending on where you are in, in the maturity level, not necessarily as an, I told you so more of a, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this now. Um, and, and being ready to go. Cause that when something fails, having a ready to ready to go alternative is a strong incentive to go that direction. Yeah. Now do I do want to say, this is a sidebar that could probably derail the whole conversation. If the overrule, if you are overruled on an ethical ground, on an ethical or moral level that you can't live with, that's when you make a stand. Sure. Or leave. Be prepared to leave. Sure. I've done that before. That that, that makes sense, for sure. Um, it doesn't happen that often, but I've stood my ground when I said no, like, there's a number of alternatives you can do here, but the one that I won't do is this. And then all of a sudden they back down because they saw how important that one path was to not go down with me. But, and I'll say that, that, that did happen in IBM mm-hmm. um, more than it happens at smaller levels. Cause at IBM, you're a, you're a piece, yeah, yeah. right? So, they don't really care about what you think uh, is morally or ethically clear. Um, And, and in that particular scenario, um, it it was, it was essentially a scenario and, 
and we don't have to derail completely. But yeah. it was essentially a scenario of we had brought in a bunch of subcontractors, um, and at Christmas time, IBM wanted me to pass along the corporate decision that all subcontractors were taking a 10% cut in pay and not working for the last two weeks mm-hmm. of the year. Um, so it was like that, that's one where at a smaller company, you're like, no, yeah. I'm not, I, or, or, or where, where you're more comfortable you're, with your career. You're like, no, you, you tell yeah. um, as opposed to at, at that point in my career at IBM, I, I fought, I, whined, I complained and eventually had to execute on that and tried to make it as best I could for those affected. Um, but that didn't make me feel any better and it didn't make the situation yep. any better. So, but you have a choice. I mean, I guess what I, what I'm yeah. kind of going with is you can, we, we say you have a, we say you have a choice. Yeah. So, some people have more choices. Oh, definitely. Without, a, without kids, I have much more leeway where i can megan megan and i can make choices that are more risky or have less impact we can adjust our personal spending easily between the two of us versus kind of the locked in fees that come with raising a family or the or the or the the locked in risk financial risk of raising a family and yeah there you definitely people find themselves in different positions but i do think that if you're if for whatever reason you're choosing to stick with the job despite being overruled, it's it's on you to make the best of it, to not not Agreed. sabotage the uh, the alternative just because it wasn't your decision. As long as long as Agreed. ethics aren't part of it, and but there's another factor that I do like. I'm talking about don't don't sit there and wait for the, I told you so message to make yourself feel redeemed because it does feel good when you can say it to a boss. Um, and I have before (laughs) they didn't always like it. Um, but sometimes you do need to cover your ass, the CYA. And I've had plenty of times when I got overruled and then the person that overruled me, the, the, their choice went South and they was, they blamed me for the choice. And I was like, where's that damn email where I told them what to do? And now they have definitely chosen to disremember, unremember, you know, whatever the heck term it is, not accept responsibility for the, for having made the choice. And sometimes, and I've been as blatant as like, here's the email before you yell at me, here's the email. And other times they were just like, I don't give a crap. We need to make that work one way or the other. And because they've basically, like I said, they've lived their life making guesses and their guess was wrong, but they don't care to, to dwell on it. And I, of course, at that point right. in my career, wanted to be the one that said, no, you didn't listen to me in the first place. Now, from a legal standpoint as a consultant, I have been remiss and keeping details of decisions made by people that overruled me. And there's been times where if a choice was made against my recommendation and it caused a negative financial impact, I kind of needed the final email of the choice made or a record of the choice made just to say like, hey, if you want to kick liability over against me, I've got some evidence that says different that this was your choice and responsibility. Thankfully, in those cases, right. I had evidence, like plenty of evidence and people to support like, nope, you told them the financial risk here, the legal risk here, and they chose differently. But not having that smoking gun of one piece where they said this or that was important for me to keep. And it may be important in a political situation where a decision is being made on giving someone in a in their management position like who's responsible for this going south and you need to defend yourself that paper trail may be important not from a not from the standpoint of i told you so but from the cover your butt side yeah it definitely 
definitely learned lessons along the way on on that and uh have had it go down that way where where decision was made verbally not documented and it the decision goes south it comes around and and then it's uh finger pointing yeah. time um and and i'm not i'm not of the personality to finger point so uh, i think you told me the other day regarding something else nice guys finish last <laughs> um sort of thing um so i think you do have to document it um get acceptance um i've i've gotten a lot better at it i'm still not perfect yeah. um i'm i'm i don't even know if i'm good at it um, but I, I do try and document decisions now because because that's important. It's important for for legal reasons. It's important for political reasons. It's something I will not pull out um, without a reason yeah. to. So back to the whole idea of of the I told you so's. Um, if you're working in the right place and you're working with the right people. Most of the time when a decision you are against goes south, they're going to come to you and say, you were right. Um, they're going to remember the discussion and say, mm-hmm. you were right. We should not have done this. What, 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 what should we do in this now that we've done that? It's failed. What's, what's the next steps? And that's where, why I was recommending have the alternative yeah. ready. Um, not Again, you're not working against... And I'm not saying you spend all your time working on the alternative. I say you just have it contingency front of planning. Um, yeah, that's all it is. That's but I, I think on the flip side of what you like, I work with a lot of great people, and when something goes wrong, people typically own up to it, and we all work like constructively to just right the ship, and we, but. Yeah, the younger me was more about right and wrong and blame game of I wouldn't have done it this way. It failed. Now start listening to me. That was just the 20 year old attitude of my like in the mid 20s, I would say. And sure. it doesn't really get you anywhere. The bosses that I've worked for, they screw up a million times anyway, and they don't want to hear it. They don't care that they messed up. They, or or they're like going back to ego. They don't want you to remind them. They don't care. They're not going to accept it. Like I've worked for plenty of people where mistakes that happen were are just not in their DNA to say it was ever my fault. And trying to convince them it was is just and a waste of time. For sure. And and this is the, a, a parallel to parenting yeah. comes in here. Um, so, so, so for anyone not, not a parent, um, once your kids get to teenage years and above, they don't listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it's a case of, it, it, it's very similar because you'll say, well, should you do it this way? And, and, and depending on the dynamic of your relationship with, with your children, it determines yeah. how you do this, but. <clears throat> we've raised very independent children, so they are very vocal in their disagreement with what we're saying. Um, but that's okay. We know that allows them to to deal yeah. with the world better. Um, but that also prevents us from um, having as much influence on them and pushing them in the direction we think is right. So it comes back to, it's the same thing. It's a case of, here's the idea. Okay, you didn't want that. Okay, I can see where this is going to go. I hope you succeed. I'm all for you, um, but I'm going to be ready to to be there to pick yeah. up the pieces um, when it doesn't go right. So it's a it's a big parallel to parenting, <laughs> which is what I, the last minute you're talking, I'm like, oh yeah, I've I've had this conversation yeah. with my daughter. Well, and also, I mean, there's a an, another piece of it is kind of accepting that, you know you might see the choice being made by the other person as not the right one, but how wrong is it? Maybe worth asking, like, is it really a big deal if they use this other option? Is it that bad? I mean, there's a, there's option of, Hey, I want to go across the river to the other side. You can walk across a bridge or you could jump in the water and have the current flow you away. Like there's an obviously 
good or a bad choice there. But if the idea is, no, we're going to spend extra money on a helicopter to take us over, it's like, all right, it's your money. <laughs> we'll, we'll take the helicopter ride. But there's a perfectly good bridge here to walk across. And I've just had to sometimes take the helicopter ride. And if they ask about, well, wait, you didn't tell us about the bridge. I'm like, no, I did. But you wanted to do a helicopter ride. And I just kind of shrug my shoulders as that's that was a choice that was made. It cost more money, but it still got us there. And if you complain to me about budget, I'm going to say, well, there's a bridge and it's not falling apart. What I have to do is maybe put up more of a put up more of a fight if it's about diving into the river, given that the current <laughs> will definitely take you much farther away from the goal. But you have to just kind of like sometimes your kids know what they want for themselves. And you just have to be like, OK, I don't see you jumping in a river but you don't need a rocket ship to get over to the other side of this, <laughs> this gap, you know, and that's right. the way it goes up right. the ladder too. And I think I have been happier sure. in my roles since I quit trying to always feel like everything that comes out of my mouth needs to be the choice taken or the better bet. Well, I know. Uh, first thing, I first thing I know is that I I now want a <laughs> helicopter ride. He also, he also, he <laughs> I've have never a been in the yeah. helicopter. I, I, I imagine the view's better than the bridge. <laughs> That's one thing I can guess. And that was the business benefit you didn't see. If we're going to really extend the the, <laughs> the hypothetical, right? Um, and so the the other thing is, I will say one of the most frustrating choices that of mine that weren't taken had to do with growth potential of a particular uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, venture. Um, and, and the choice made was to keep things the size they were and to not expand. And that, that comp- I was very frustrated with that mm-hmm. uh, decision um, because I, I, I certainly felt there was the potential for growth. Um, but with the potential for growth comes the potential for risk as well. Um, so I, while, while I was frustrated with it and while I, I was, I was certain of it, um, it was also, like you said, not necessarily something harmful. It was, it was okay. We won't grow as fast and that's okay. Um, we're going to be what we are. Um, so, so I, I definitely think you're right in, in doing, uh, taking that approach on making sure how important how, yeah. is this the hill to die on is the, yeah. is the phrase. So, I mean, other than that, I, I, it's to me, ego management, self-reflection, um, avoiding disaster, of course, being stay on the ethical path, but, you know, just bend a little bit more and accept that not everything you do is going to be the answer chosen on when people are faced with uncertainties. That's kind of how I've had to grow up over the years to become a better manager when I'm not in charge of everything. And, and then the, the, the level up from that is document. Yeah, exactly. So right now, um, I've definitely documented where you said we must use Firebase and do not do not <laughs> use, do not use Rails. <laughs> um, well, uh, okay. First, the, those two those two statements are two different statements. The second statement's absolutely true. Yes. The first statement was more of a oh well, you know what? We might as well spend time learning. Oh, I, I'm totally kidding. Both of, both of us, <laughs> I know you are. Both of us have chosen are. the Firebase trap. Um, it, it's it's the fire pit we're walking across. Yeah, exactly. I I you know it's 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 interesting. Um, cho- te- well, like we we haven't even talked about technology choices as a focus for any of these decisions, but I can't think of a single choice of tech where I was overruled that completely put a company in a disaster scenario. Like 
we were both sides were guessing. I had a guess as to the better one in my experience, but when I was overruled, it's not like a choice came in that was horrible. Um, right, and, and that I, I, being with IBM, I have seen that happen. Yeah, um, but for the most part, you're not picking between a right and a wrong. Yeah, you're picking between two rights and it's, it's more of, and in addition, whatever path you're, you've chosen, you're not going down the other path. So you have no basis of comparison. You only have the basis of hypothetical. Um, so you could say, we, we should have built it with Fortran instead of COBOL. Um, but unless you built both, you don't know that that was the right choice. Yeah. You just know it was a choice. Now, from the other thing I should say is it may not have been a disaster, but choices choices that are made by the people above you based on keeping up with the Joneses or what's the popular flavor of the day from a technology branding standpoint, managers above, like managers are... are Going back to the salesman talk, managers that don't have technical expertise are much more easily swayed by a sales pitch regarding technology than cold, hard facts. Agreed. And so what I have seen happen a lot are companies that have so many different flavors of technology. They have Windows, they have Mac, they have Linux, they have three different database types and it all speaks to choices being made about a good salesperson convince somebody or the chatter amongst the community dev community was go mongo for everything kind of deal and those are choices that you have to decide on if if they're being made if things are being decided that way um is that a place where you like to work that you want to work. Yeah. That's sustainable. Yeah. And, and for sure. And this isn't a story I've told yet. And I think we'll wrap on this story because it's, it's one of my favorites, sure. but it was painful. Um, one of the companies I worked for previously that shall remain unnamed uh, for this scenario. Um, we had clients that used iPhones. We had clients that used Macs to access our website, mm-hmm. but it was it was a Windows company. the 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 technology used within the company was Microsoft through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day, somebody got the CIO's ear, and all of a sudden, there was a pronouncement across this multiple thousands employee company we are no longer allowing Max on the network. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm not talking 2005. I'm not talking 1995. I'm talking 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this, this was a, a, a really strange decision. Um, and we pushed back hard. The area I was in pushed back really hard because... If no Macs are allowed on the network, guess what? You're not building iOS applications yeah. anymore. It's just not happening. Um, that was, we, we reported that up and it fell on deaf ears because whomever had presented the idea of, well, these security vulnerabilities are because I can't lock everything down because I don't have a homogenous system. Yeah. That's, I think, where it all went. Um, so it was like, okay, no more Macs. And then... We circle back three months later and the CIO was like, oh, that wasn't what I said. What I said is uh, any Macs we have have to be within the data center. It it changed. (laughs) Oh, of course. Even though though it was documented because he had actually released this policy on the company uh, network. Yeah. That one was documented. Um, But he was going to change his interpretation because it no longer fit the facts. Um, but anyway, that, that's, that's a story I've been dying to tell because it's one of those where it's, it's like you have non-technology people making technical decisions. Um, and that, that one hurt that one, that one put us back a few months and there was never, that's one I would have been happy to say, told you so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) 
because because that 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 was that was a brain dead decision. And that's the thing is, I think the old me would have been full of anger over it. Like this is such a dumb thing, and I don't like working here anymore. And I think now I'd just be like, well, give me a Windows machine. I'll see what I can get done with it compared to what I got done with a Mac. And Frank, oh yeah. Yeah. Frankly, right now I'm looking at Windows machines for like I like the Surface drawing thing. So, you know, maybe, may, like, not in in the scenario that you're talking about, the extreme doesn't work. But now the other side of me is like, okay, people work with Windows all the time. People will work with Linux all the time. Maybe I roll with this and make it work. And that's that's what we yeah. did. Is is we rolled with it. We we were like, okay. We we have we have voiced our displeasure loudly. Yeah. Um, we're not making any headway, even though we thought it was obvious once we said you can't build any iOS applications. Um, the decision's been made. What can we do instead? And the solution that ever, that came up with was okay. We're going to put a virtual Mac on the network, and you can build your iOS applications yeah. there. Which. We're not going to go into the details of how painful that is, but um, but that was the decision made. So a, a decision was made. We came up with an alternative. That's that's I guess the the part of the. And point then the executive point. backtracked, which is completely expected. <laughs> oh yeah, well, but he didn't completely backtrack in, in that there are still no Max on that. Number. Oh yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I I I can't I can't figure it out. So. That's neither here nor there. That was that was in the past. So <laughs> anyway, that 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 is the last time where I truly got angry, and 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 I I, I wasn't even angry. I was like, oh well, wait a minute, yeah. you 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 surely do not know everything that's going on. And then when presented with everything that was going on, and still being told, yeah, it doesn't good. matter. That's when good. I got angry. But all right, well, that is a good story to end on. Right. I think we. Uh... We cover the topic well, um, and uh, yeah, I just there's a lot of growth in this one for me. And how I, I when I look look in the for mirror sure. and say, "Oh, this is how I deal with these choices and stuff." So it's been interesting. Um, sure. I don't know what age it is where I started to change my mind, but it's just how I deal with these kind of scenarios is is a lot different and for the better. Definitely for oh, the better. Yeah. And 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 I think it, it sounds like in your case you you had somebody push you in that direction as well, which is always Oh fun. yeah. Listen to the people that deal with you every day. <laughs> That's definitely, definitely <laughs> worth doing. All right, cool. Well let's uh wrap it up. But uh good talk and we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.